Welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I thought I'd be healthier and better shape, feel better both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and be further along in my life? If so, come on this journey with my dad as he explores all things health and wellness from a holistic, medical perspective, even as a classically trained physician. He'll share integrative strategies to optimize health and inspire you to join the modern medicine movement. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement podcast. And a big aloha from Hawaii. It's a beautiful day. Dr. Thomas Hemingway right here with you. Super pumped to be here. Another day of life. It's beautiful outside. It's gorgeous. The sun is out and shining. And oh, I'm so grateful we're getting a couple days closer to the fall because it's still stinking hot in Hawaii. <laughs> I heard some of you guys are experiencing cold fronts in the Rocky Mountains, Colorado, Utah, Idaho. It was like 30 and 40 degrees last week. Holy moly. Well, it was 89 and beautiful over here, which I wish it was more like. 79 and beautiful, but <laughs> I'm grateful, guys, to be here with you. Thank you for taking the time out of your lives to just learn and just, oh my gosh, share these amazing, amazing health and wellness tips and pearls and information and studies and all of that awesome stuff that we're, you know, generating here and distilling down to make it easily applicable and just just practical so we can use it i'm just i'm still pumped and i I, i'm like reminiscing already about my last week's podcast with dr benjamin bickman wasn't that just incredible i had so much fun doing it he's such a brilliant guy i hope you guys will all get his book why We Get Sick, Benjamin Bickman, PhD, just a brilliant guy, all things metabolism, oh, probably the world's expert in insulin resistance, and oh, it's just, it's a cool book, guys. I read it a couple of times, and I literally have loads of other stuff I wanted to share with you and with him and ask him more questions, but that hour was just supercharged, so hopefully you'll have a chance to listen to that, share that. Today's podcast is right along those same lines we're going to get into. It's so exciting, just so much pertinent stuff. And before I do that, I just I just wanted to share with you guys another review that I, I got. It's, <laughs> it says it's from Team Guinness. All right, Team Guinness. Hey, Thomas, look forward to listening to your podcast while exercising or even folding laundry. I've shared many of your podcasts with friends and Greg on topics that are normally confusing, but you have a great conversational style and an easy way of explaining. And I love the history behind each topic as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Team Guinness. A five-star review. That was amazing. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Please feel free to do so. I love it when you guys can share and I want to share with you, too. You can look me up at modernmedicinemovement.com or send me an email, modernmedicinemovementpodcast at gmail, or join my free private Facebook group, Modern Medicine Movement Health and Wellness Facebook group, where I do posts. You'll be the first to hear about the new podcast. There's dialogue there. You can ask me questions if you have things that you want to learn about. In, in future podcasts, hit me up. I'm, I'm all ears. I love to share what's on your mind, those burning questions that you have. I just, I love it. It just excites me. I love it when you guys give reviews too. So please scroll down to the bottom of iTunes, Apple Podcasts with the five stars or click on the star farthest to the right and just attach a review with that little button that looks like a piece of paper and a pen. You just click on the link, type up a little review. I love to hear from you guys. So thank you. Thank you. You guys are why I do this. And without further ado, we're going to jump right in to another incredible podcast. And I, I like I said, I'm still kind of just <laughs> reminiscing over that awesome interview we had last week with Dr. Benjamin Bickman on why we get sick. He, 
Ah, oh, he just he just went in such great, awesome, amazing detail, but in a simple way that we could all understand why we get sick. So go out and get the book if you haven't already. He speaks all about this term that we've heard of, which is insulin resistance, which as he quotes in the book, 88% of us, like, holy moly, only 12 of us out of 100 don't have some form of insulin resistance. Nearly all of us have some level of insulin resistance. And it's crazy. It's crazy. This leads to all kinds of stuff that can really just wreak havoc on our lives from obesity to hypertension or high blood pressure to PCOS or polycystic ovarian disease, low testosterone, uh, neurodegenerative diseases, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, even cancer, heart disease. All these things have at their root, literally at the root, is this insulin resistance. And he goes off in great detail in the book about not only all the things that it has its hand in, but my favorite part is at the end of the book where he gives you strategies, gives you easy, applicable, rubber-meets-the-road kind of stuff, how you can change your life. Because, guys, even though up to 88% of us are suffering from some amount of insulin resistance, which most of us don't even know about because our physicians are largely not doing the right test. You know, we might get a fasting blood sugar uh, once a year or something, and they may say to us, oh, well, your blood sugar is fine. You don't need to worry about insulin resistance. Well, that couldn't be farther from the truth. We are measuring the wrong thing. We need to measure a fasting insulin level with that fasting blood sugar. And between the two, we can find out if we are indeed insulin resistant and to what degree, and then do something about it, right? Because that's why I do the show. So we can learn those life hacks so that we can live better. We can live healthier. We can live fuller lives and hopefully longer lives as well. But in a way where we are with it, where we are energized and doing our thing. And so I'm just going to just go further down the line on, on this topic a little bit today and talk about what we can do about it. How do we overcome insulin resistance? Because as Dr. Bickman mentioned last week, even though this is so common and can be so quick to develop, it can equally be quick to fade and resolve and go away if we do some really simple steps. This was fascinating to me. He has demonstrated in his own lab how you can literally make somebody insulin resistant in a matter of hours. You just give them an IV infusion 24-7 of not even a high, high rate, but just kind of like a medium or basal rate of insulin, but you just release insulin all day long into the blood without a break, and guess what? Just like any stimulus, if you get it over and over and over again, you get resistant to it. Like so many things in life, it, this can apply to... You know, a certain thing that we do, it can apply to food. It can, of course, apply to drugs and alcohol. You know, when you, when you start these things and if you keep doing it, you will need more and more of whatever that stimulus is to generate the same response. That's what the resistance is. And with insulin, that's the case. You just get more and more insulin in your body, and then it just doesn't work that well. And it starts to cause all these issues. And I'm not going to go into it because we talked all about it last week with the different um, things that go on at the level of the fat cell, at the level of the muscle cell, both of which Dr. Bickman is expert in. This week, I really wanted to focus on what we can do without it because literally, we can change this. We can change this. You and I can change this and we can do it 
rather quickly. It's amazing. And in the same way that it can be developed fairly quickly, like I said, you can demonstrate it in the lab with an IV infusion of insulin. Within days to a week, in many studies, we have seen diabetics, for example, type 2 diabetics on insulin, they give themselves insulin injections, and within a matter of days to weeks, with a couple of lifestyle changes, they are literally able to come off the insulin altogether. And even if you're not a type 2 diabetic on insulin, you can resolve your insulin resistance even faster through a couple of life hacks that we'll talk about today. And, and one of them we talked about quite extensively last week, but we didn't really get into the weeds a little bit. This was basically about one of the three macronutrients that we have available to us, which happens to be in the American diet, probably by far the most common macronutrient that we are partaking of in our day-to-day lives. And interestingly enough, and we talked about this a little, but our bodies actually do not require this macronutrient from our diets or an exogenous form that we put in, right? We don't even need it. We don't need this macronutrient at all coming from our diet. What is this macronutrient? What is it? It's not fat. It's the carbohydrates. (laughs) I know it's like, it's shocking, but we could actually live with zero carbohydrates in our diet. Our body can make all of the glucose it needs for basic functions of the, say, red blood cells, the brain, you know, the basic functions that we need our body can make that amount of glucose right in our liver. There's a whole process called gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis. You can call it GNG, kind of like TNT, you know, with ACDC, right? So GNG or gluconeogenesis is the process in the liver that makes the glucose that we need in our body. We actually do not have to eat any glucose or any carbohydrate. We could do without it. Like, holy moly. And I think literally for thousands of years, we probably did for the most part. Like, what did we do thousands of years ago to get food? We went out and we went hunting. We didn't go to the store and buy a power bar or a shake or a soda or or whatever comes in a package with a barcode, as Dr. Bickman said. We didn't go out and eat that stuff. We literally went out and we got out our bow and arrow or whatever we were using and we went out and we, we hunted and we got our food. And that stuff doesn't have little to any carbohydrates, right? <laughs> oh, our diet has gone full circle nowadays. Our standard American diet is typically about 60% carbohydrates in a lot of us, which is crazy considering we can live without it. And this is what gets our insulin levels up, right? Because insulin's job is to respond to the carbohydrates in the blood or glucose and get that glucose level down and into the cells. It gets glucose into the cell. And then if we're in a state of plenty, we're eating plenty of, you know, calories, if you will, what does it do? It gets it into the cell and it turns it into fat. We store glucose as fat for the most part. We learned all about this in my metabolism podcast that we only have a couple hours worth of glucose storage in our liver glycogen and the rest of it we tend to store as fat. For the most part, we have liver glycogen and muscle glycogen, but actually, you know, that's a very, very small amount compared to what often we eat on a daily basis in our diet. And so it mostly ends up You guessed it, it ends up as fat. And so one of the pearls I mentioned in that initial metabolism podcast was that we can change this. We can change this insulin release if we just stop eating one macronutrient or reduce our consumption of this. We don't have to stop it altogether. Believe me, I'm not a zero-carb guy. I'm a low-carb guy for sure because there's not a lot of 
awesome, great high quality carbs out there. There are some, you know, and I, and I partake of them. Believe me, I love berries, all things berries, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries. I love, love, love natural, wholesome, real organic fruit. And like Dr. Bickman says, it's fine to have some fruit, but eat our fruit. Don't drink our fruit, right? Fruit juice, probably not awesome because it really spikes our blood sugar as well as our insulin levels to a much higher degree than if we eat our fruit right? rather than drink it. And that's a lot to do with what's called the glycemic load. And I'm not going to get into that today because we talked about it in a previous podcast. But one of the things we can do right out of the gates is, first of all, stop snacking. Okay? Just stop snacking. Because often when we snack, we snack on carbs. And when we do that, we are sending our insulin levels up. And if we are always snacking every two to three hours, like many of us were taught, right, all these small meals throughout the day. We were taught to eat all these small, frequent meals. It's like the worst thing we could have been taught. It's the worst thing for insulin resistance. So we got we to gotta stop that. So number one, guys, stop snacking, okay? Stop snacking. If you eat three meals a day, we'll, we'll wait as long as possible between those three meals and try not to snack at all anything in between them. That's the way we used to eat ancestrally. Do you think we were snacking? Heck no, we weren't snacking. If we did eat three meals a day, which we probably were more likely to eat two meals a day, because when we first got up in the morning, there was nothing sitting around ready for us to eat. There was no, you know, refrigerator from the night's kill the previous day. I mean, we were we were getting up and we were we were going on the hunt <laughs> or the search, you know, for berries or what we could find. You know, we, we didn't just roll out of bed and, and open the refrigerator, right? We didn't have that. So for thousands of years, we probably didn't even eat breakfast. And so that's kind of the second little hack is, is once we stop snacking, um, if we extend the period between our meals, and then if we even go on sort of a time-restricted eating protocol or an intermittent fasting protocol, maybe a few days a week, we just skip breakfast altogether. Or you can choose any meal, but I, I just find personally for myself, breakfast is is the easiest because number one, I'm not usually hungry at 5 a.m. when I get up. <laughs> I know I'm a morning guy. I always have been. It's either 5 a.m. awakening so that I can get to work for a 6 a.m. shift or it's 5 a.m. awakening so I can get out in the water and go surfing. It's always been <laughs> a thing for me. And I, I've loved to get up early. And so I've never really just had the need or desire. I'm never really hungry in the morning, so I don't usually eat anyway. So I found that to be the easiest meal for me to skip. Um, but sometimes it might be lunch. If you guys are at a job where you want to, you know, eat breakfast prior to your job and you just want to just crank, crank, crank your whole shift and not eat anything until you're done, that's fine too. You can skip lunch. Um, you can skip whatever meal tends to work best for your lifestyle. And that can really decrease the amount of insulin, right, in our blood. Because if we're not eating, the insulin ain't going up. <laughs> we have to eat generally and eat carbs for the insulin to go up because it doesn't even go up if we eat fats. That was something Dr. Bickman reiterated for us, and I just find that fascinating. And so, like I said, first of all, number one, we got to stop snacking. Number two... I would, I would interject this in there, is we need to pay attention to the carbs that we eat. And if we do eat carbs, like I said, it's fine to have some carbs, but don't make it the most prominent macronutrient when teleologically and evolutionarily and, and by design, we can live without any, literally with zero carbohydrates in our diet, we should probably not make them the thing we eat most. So fine to eat carbs, but just pay attention to which carbs you are eating Hopefully it's nothing in a box or a bag, nothing with a barcode. Hopefully it's something that's fresh and organic and real food, like fresh fruit and berries. Oh, I would just die for some California strawberries right now. <laughs> I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I grew up in the Monterey Bay, and there was nothing 
but fields and fields and thousands of acres of strawberries. In fact, right behind my back fence as a kid was strawberry fields as far as the eye could see. And there's nothing like summertime, fresh, picked that day, ripe on the vine, strawberries. Nothing like it. If you guys have never had the opportunity, oh, you got to go to California to one of those, you know, just fruit stands on the side of the road and buy some picked that day fresh strawberries. I'm telling you, here in Hawaii, we don't really grow strawberries and we're getting them from, you know, like Costco or what have you, Safeway. And I swear they must pick these things when they're green because when they get here, they're red, but they have no flavor whatsoever. I, I hardly even buy them a lot of times because it's just like, why even, why even eat the carbs, the calories, when it just doesn't have any taste? So fresh, organic fruit, especially right off the vine, is, oh my goodness, it's like dessert to me all day long. I love fresh fruit. Anyway, I digress, but carbohydrates, as mentioned, are something that we could literally live without in our diet. So when we do choose to eat them, let's, let's eat smart. Let's pay attention. Let's get natural, whole, real food. Try not to get processed stuff, especially refined grains and refined sugars and pastas and anything out of the box. You know, just have some caution with that because that stuff spikes your blood sugar, certainly spikes your insulin, and may contribute to insulin resistance. So that's the other little pearl I interjected. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I love, love, love fresh strawberries. But watch your carbs. Pay attention to the glycemic load. Space out your meals. Don't snack. And try a little bit of uh, what, I, what my good friend Barbie likes to call Barbie Anderson. She lives, lives uh, here. And it's, she always says, mindful eating. Mindful eating. And I love that. Time-restricted eating, intermittent fasting, whatever you want to call it. It's truly mindful eating because you're really paying attention to not only what you are eating, but the timing of what you are eating. So I love, love, love that. Mindful eating is the way to go. If you want to learn more about this, about this topic, time-restricted eating, intermittent fasting, please listen to my previous podcast on that. You can get into it. Um, moving right along. So diet is key. Pay attention to what we put into our bodies, whole, real foods, primarily. Um, I tend to eat a low-carb diet because I just can't find tons of carbs that, that are natural and whole and, and great for me that have a low glycemic load. So I don't eat a lot of carbs. I tend to eat mostly proteins and fats, which, which in nature, you know, they come together. Right? If you if you have a real nice slab of a fatty, you know, wild caught piece of salmon, it's all marbled right into that fillet. Or if you, you know, grill up a nice tri tip, it's marbled in. You get protein and fat naturally together in the form that our body recognizes, that our body can easily metabolize and it'll incorporate appropriately into our fat cells. We talked a little bit about this not-so-good fat that sometimes gets eaten. In fact, I think in the U.S. probably it's one of the most common sources of fat in our diet comes from highly processed seed oils. And these oils are no good for us, and they're almost ubiquitous in anything that you buy. In fact, today I was looking, <laughs> I was looking for a little gift in the... In the grocery store to give a friend, you know, a little taste of Hawaii Nei, for example, you know, I was looking at chocolate macadamia nuts and, and Caramax, all these kinds of things. And basically almost all of it had somewhere in there seed oil. It was usually soybean oil, but it might've been canola oil or safflower oil. And somehow they snuck that stuff in there. And so, and so I settled on just buying the one thing from Hawaii Nei with the least amount of ingredients that I could find. And all that was on that label was, you guessed it, still the macadamia nuts because I love macadamia nuts. And they got lots of natural, real, wholesome, saturated fat. They're actually the good kind of fat. 
So macadamia nuts and second ingredient, sea salt. <laughs> so that's what I settled on, macadamia nuts and sea salt <laughs> for my gift for a friend. And uh, that's what you got to be paying attention to. You got to read those labels. They sneak that stuff in. Basically, I would say 80 plus percent of anything we buy with a label, with a barcode, has some version of the seed oil. And this stuff, holy moly, is not a part of the <laughs> diet that we have eaten for thousands of years. We couldn't even get this type of oil. It's a polyunsaturated fatty acid or PUFA, you know, and it's highly prone to oxidation. And it wreaks havoc on our fat cells, as Dr. Bickman mentioned last week. I'm not going to go into it, but it makes them get crazy, big, large, um, and not work well, contributing to a huge amount of inflammation. And we've been taught for 50-plus years that this is the good kind of fat, the un the polyunsaturated fat, and the bad fat is the saturated fat, the eggs, the beef, the meats, which is totally wrong, and it's been shown, it's been proven, and, and now I think the word's getting out, but for many years we didn't know this, and we were eating artificial, processed, super highly processed fats. So be wary of the vegetable oils, all of those things that you find with labels. Please read the ingredients, try to avoid the sunflower, the safflower, the oh, canola, right? The soy oil, soybean oil, all these things are highly processed. If you want to see something kind of gross, do a YouTube search for vegetable oils and the processing that takes place. Like it will blow your mind. You'll never want to eat anything with vegetable oil again or Crisco shortening, whatever. You just never, it's just, it's nutty. I, I personally cook with butter. If I'm going to fry something like I, I've been having literally like fish tacos every single night. My family is away on the mainland right now and I'm here in Hawaii, Ne, just eat, sleep, work and, <laughs> and, you know, do it again the next day kind of thing. I've been eating tons of fish tacos and all I do to cook up my fish, fresh, wild-caught, locally-caught ahi, which is tuna or mong chong or, or you know, <clears throat> there's, there's swordfish. There's a bunch of locally-caught fish that mahi-mahi. And basically all I do, I take this fresh slab and I put it on my frying pan with a, you know, I don't know, tablespoon of butter. And I just fry it like that. Butter and a little sea salt, maybe a little pepper, uh, a little garlic. That's it. And it's stinking awesome. <laughs> my kids were telling me the other day they were having tacos, which my wife makes a mean, mean, awesome, awesome, you know, grass-fed beef. In fact, we're buying this bison meat. Uh, we're making tacos out of bison meat, and it's incredible. It's awesome. And they just were like, Dad, we wish we could have your fish tacos. We so miss your fish tacos. <laughs> so in nature, protein and fat come together right? In our meats. And we should be using these two macro nutrients primarily, proteins and fat. They're literally found in nature that way. And that's the way it should be. And we will be healthier for it, especially avoid the PUFAs. So that's a little diet hack, a little pearl that'll cut down on the inflammation, will cut down on the insulin resistance, on a lot of the metabolic syndrome that many of us suffer from. If we avoid the PUFAs or the polyunsaturated uh, fatty acids, all these vegetable oils, we will be so much healthier. And it's actually really easy, but you just have to read the ingredients. If you want to learn a whole lot more on this topic, Nina Teicholz uh, wrote a pretty cool book on this. And it's I, I thought it was incredible because she's an investigative journalist who basically dug up all these studies that were hidden by guys like Ansel Keys for years because they didn't have the conclusion that he wanted. He wanted to prove and show that saturated fat was the enemy. And he successfully showed that, but by purposely cherry-picking the data. So anyway, read her book, The Big Fat Surprise. I thought it was awesome. Um, try to avoid vegetable oils. Simple, simple thing to do. Whole natural foods. And if you're going to cook with oil, I do. I use either coconut oil 
avocado oil. And then I use things like olive oil, you know, in my dressings and salad and things like that. And I even like, you know, the occasional piece of fresh starter uh, made uh, uh, sourdough bread because bread's a lot of carbs and it's not usually that awesome. But the best kind of bread to eat is either sourdough, um, real sourdough, not just the kind that says it's sourdough. And then you read the ingredients and they just added a little vinegar. They actually didn't use starter yeast. You want the kind where they actually use the starter um, maybe make it yourself. My friend Jill just sent me this recipe. I can't wait to try because I actually do like sourdough bread with a big slab of butter on it. Oh, fresh, hot out of the oven. Yummy. But I, we, we almost never even buy bread at the grocery store anymore because it's hard to get good bread anymore, at least with good ingredients. So sourdough or sprouted, you know, bread, the kind that you got to buy usually refrigerated. Those are the best two, two types of bread if you must. But instead of having two pieces of toast, just have one piece and maybe put, you know, some real butter on it. Or my favorite, actually even better, believe it or not, than butter, what I like to throw on there is avocado. Whew. Avocado and sea salt on toast, like heavenly, <laughs> heavenly. I digress. So avoid the seed oils. Another dietary hack that you can do, focus on real whole foods, the timing of our meals. And then the next big part, so far we've talked about no medication, nothing, not a single medicine, because most of this can be done literally without medication. Remember these guys that Dr. Bickman talked about that came off of all of their insulin, these type 2 diabetics who were on big whopping doses of daily insulin or several times a day insulin? What did they do? They didn't take a new med. They just changed their diet. They drastically reduced the carbs in their diet, and some of them even did intermittent fasting. And between these two things, they basically did not need to inject themselves with insulin anymore. Like, what a difference for their metabolism, but, but honestly, for their quality of life. <laughs> like... Can you imagine having to inject yourself three times a day, like with a needle? Like most of us hate needles, including me, you know, at least if I'm on that end of the needle. I, I don't mind injecting somebody else, but I don't want to inject myself. Are you kidding me? So that's why diet is so key. And it is under our control. So crucial and also pretty darn simple. The next big thing is movement exercise. It's so, so simple. Also, largely, you know, under our control. Well, well if it's not under our control, whose control is it under? <laughs> I think it's ours. So we own that one, exercise. That's the second biggest lifestyle factor or modification that we can do is just get out and move, move our body. And it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be in a gym. It doesn't have to be with any fancy stuff, we can we can do it right in our home or around our home or around our neighborhood. We can just go for a 20-minute walk. Any movement is better than none at all. I mean, even if we have a desk job, we should maybe get up for five minutes every hour, do some little exercises in place, get the blood flowing. This will decrease our insulin resistance. We learned that if we sit too long, <laughs> we can get insulin resistant, you know, to some degree just by sitting and not moving. Like, holy moly. This has changed my approach. You know, I love to to read and I'm just like studious and I'm nerdy. And sometimes I'll sit for a couple hours and and actually now I got I got one of those silly eye watches or whatever it's called, Apple watches. Uh, my wife had it and she wasn't using it. And I'm like, I'll just try it. It's kind of cool. And I can set a timer on it for every you know, 40, I think, I think the studies show it's like 46 minutes or something like that. We should get up, do a few minutes, maybe just one minute, maybe two minutes of movement, you know, a little bit of breathing exercises. And that will, you know, energize us, get the blood flowing to our brain, add that mental clarity, and it'll improve our metabolism too. So, so simple. And if your boss gets mad at you for getting up and stretching every, every hour, show him the data. Tell he or she to try it. Hey, and you know what? At the end of the day, you'll actually be more productive for them. They'll be thanking you because you'll be getting so much more work done. 
with just these little couple minute, you know, stretches, exercises every hour. It's incredible. You'll be so much more productive. You'll get so much more done. Uh, you'll laugh, but I keep a couple of, <laughs> sorry to digress. I just think it's classic. I, I, I just want to give you practical stuff. I keep a couple little dumbbells next to my desk. I have a desk that's one of those standing desks. Well, it's actually, it's got a little motor. It goes up and down. So if my back's hurting me and I can't stand for too long, then I'll sit and then I'll stand, then I'll sit and I can, you know, I can change the height. And I keep a couple of dumbbells right at the base of this desk so that every 46 minutes when my beeper goes off, my watch goes off, I pick up the dumbbells and I do some exercise right in place. I can do some lunges. I can do some shoulder exercises, whatever I'm feeling the need to do. Usually it's some kind of movement that I want to be able to replicate, you know, like a little chair squat or something, because, you know, we all got to get up out of a chair at some point. (laughs) So why not do movement that replicates those same motions? Anyway, that's how to incorporate movement into your everyday, even if you're working a nine to five or whatever. And then at the end of the day, or, or maybe even before the day, go out for your 20 minute walk. It will incredibly enhance and improve your metabolism and and decrease your insulin resistance. One little pearl I want to throw out there because we don't always think of this. And and I didn't really always think of this because sometimes we just get in a little routine and we do our same whatever it is, jog around the neighborhood, walk around the neighborhood. We don't mix it up at all. We don't mix it up at all. And and that's better than doing nothing. I mean, if you're getting up and you're, you're doing exercise five, six days a week, like you guys are all ready crushing it. You're in the minority. I mean, most of us don't get off our chair often enough. You know, we just got our phones in our hands or a TV remote, whatever. We're at the computer and we're not getting up and we're not doing our six for six as my wife likes to call it. So if you're doing it, you are crushing it. Congratulate yourselves. You're just stinking awesome. You're crushing it. But if you want to take it to the next level, because I think that's what we're all interested in is just performance and next level stuff. Next level stuff would be spice it up with some interval training or resistance training. And it doesn't have to be hard. Like, you don't need any equipment. If you're going for a walk, take maybe every two and a half, three minutes, just sprint for 10 seconds or sprint for five seconds. Whatever. Just mix it up a little bit, you know? Same thing if you're doing a certain workout. Like, go to exhaustion like every other set or you know, just mix it up. Like changing it up on your body is really good because that's how your muscles grow. That's how we push our bodies. That's how we enhance our abilities. Same thing in life, right? If we really want to accomplish our goals, we're not going to do it by just doing the same thing all the time. We need to push it a little bit. We need to kick it into that higher gear, if you will. And we can do that through you know, the interval training type uh, modality or just increasing the resistance or just increasing the reps to where we're going to exhaustion. Like at first, I'll be honest, (laughs) it's like, oh, that kind of hurts. Like I just like doing 10, you know, 10 10 repetitions each set because I'm comfortable with that. In fact, it doesn't really even hurt or bother me. And if, if it doesn't, we're not pushing it at all. We're not getting the maximal benefit. So I want you to get the maximal benefits. So try to incorporate this strategy um, into your into your workout, whatever it is. It can be simple. But just mix it up. Instead of running your standard route, well, you could actually still run the standard route. But every, you know, you set your timer, whatever you choose, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, go for an all-out sprint for 10, 20, 30, 40 seconds, whatever. You know, just work it up. Like maybe the first day do a 10-second sprint. The next day do a 20-second. And maybe... You know, after a few weeks, you're doing like a regular pace for five minutes, and then you're going all out sprint for one minute, and you just mix it up. But a great example of this, and I, I'm not getting paid by these guys. I got nothing. In fact, if I want to go there, I got to pay. You know, I got to pay the full rate <laughs> is that um, Orange Theory class. Like that's interval training at its best, right? They have you do like whatever your your normal workout pace is, and then <clears throat> they have you hit it at your max pace, you know, and they have you kind of alternate between your standard pace and then you max out for a few minutes at a time and you get your heart rate up there. (laughs) I should have my wife on this podcast. She 
loves Orange Theory because she loves to push herself. So when we exercise, just mix it up a little. Just don't do the exact same thing every time. Your body gets used to it, and you might get, you know, a little uh, (laughs) muscle um, resistance in the sense that your muscles aren't going to grow the same if they just do the same exact workout. They need to be pushed, too. They need to be pushed, just like your minds and all the rest. We need to push ourselves. And so try that out. Do some some interval-type uh, training. If you have no idea what that means, look it up. There's lots of good YouTube videos. Check out an Orange Theory class. Like, they'll show you how to do intervals. It's pretty cool, man, and you'll be. Honestly, the first time I went, I was like blown away number one i didn't think i was going to even survive the class and i'm a really fit guy but i i'm kind of a creature of habit like most of us are and i kind of do the same thing you know i go surfing or i go ride my bike or you know i do my same workout with my dumbbells or whatever it is and i i don't mix it up enough and and until recently that i was learning more about this i'm like you know what i'm gonna mix it up and i'm (laughs) i actually am eager to go to another one of these Orange Theory classes because it pumps you up. It's awesome, and they don't have them in Hawaii, or at least where I'm living, that we don't have any such thing. And, and so I, I can't wait to go to another one of those classes just because I like that intensity, you know, um, where you vary the intensity. It's so helpful for your muscles. It's also more helpful. You get more bang for your buck, so to speak, in the same amount of time, and we all want to be efficient with our time. We'll get more value more bang for the buck if we do some interval training. So anyway, that's a huge part. Lifestyle largely composed of diet and exercise is huge. There's also environmental factors that we should be paying attention to. And a lot of these are entire podcasts in and of themselves. But there's environmental factors that also increase our insulin resistance. You know, just think about any toxins you might be exposed to right? There's probably one of the biggest ones in, in, you know, in the U.S. and in the world is smoking, right? I think somewhat in the neighborhood of a third of people are either smokers or exposed to secondhand smoke. Like, that's crazy. That's one of the gnarliest things for our bodies, our metabolism, for the inflammation. It also increases your insulin resistance. And if you smoke, let me tell you the good news, you can quit, and I see people quit every single day, and I discuss, like, I'm an ER doctor, man. I'm seeing people that are dying in one way, shape, or another, and, and if I see that they smoke, I always pause, and we just talk about it for a minute, and I usually get them laughing because here in Hawaii, everybody likes to take trips to, to Vegas, you know, back in the day when you could actually travel to Vegas easily, <laughs> you could get back home easily and not have to do a quarantine and stuff like that. We, we call that the ninth island. And I would say to them, you know, what do you think about having enough extra money every year to make an extra Vegas trip? Because if you quit smoking, you would have that. You can make an extra trip every year, right? It's going to save your health, but it's also going to save your pocketbook. And you'll feel better. You'll, you know, experience so many benefits and actually insulin resistance going down if you quit smoking is another one because it contributes to your insulin resistance, as do a lot of these other environmental factors that we often don't think about. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just amazing, like simple stuff, like what we're exposed to. You know, we, we can minimize some of these things. You know, the paraphenols that are in our uh, in our plastic water bottles, you know, they increase our insulin resistance. Um, there's all these things, the radiation we get exposed to without even thinking about it from our electronic devices, having our phones on at our hip all the time, 24-7. Like I talked about this before, just turn the thing off at night. Turn it off. If you need an alarm clock... Put it on airplane mode. You can have your alarm clock and just shut down your Wi-Fi at night in your bedroom or whatever. You know, just just limit yourself from this extra radiation that you don't need because if you're asleep, you should be sleeping. And that's another thing that we can certainly do as a matter of lifestyle is do everything in our power to enhance the quality 
of our sleep. And I'm not going to belabor that because I did a whole podcast on it. But actually, sleeping <laughs> either helps or hurts us with respect to insulin resistance. If we don't sleep well, our insulin resistance and inflammation goes up. If we do sleep well, not just the fact that we get a certain number of hours logged in, but the fact that we are having the high-quality slow wave and REM sleep, which occurs later in the sleep cycle, if we're getting into these deeper levels of sleep, that's when the magic happens. That's when our brains have the ability to regenerate and flush all the toxins out, and the insulin resistance goes down. So another big lifestyle choice. Once again, I haven't talked anything about medication. This is all lifestyle stuff. And I just want to close because we're getting close to the time here is in addition to all these lifestyle things besides just diet and these lifestyle choices I'm talking about, but there are some supplements that can help us with insulin resistance. We touched a little bit about some of them on the podcast with Dr. Pickman, but we really didn't have time. Gosh, I wish we, we could have because there's actually lots of super interesting research out there. And my favorite <laughs> supplement, the mighty mineral, the mighty magnificent master mineral that, that magnesium is, it also has been shown to, guess what? Decrease insulin resistance. Magnesium, right? They used to think it was calcium, but they found that calcium in isolation by itself didn't do the trick, but when calcium was in the form of vitamin D, fortified calcium milk, then it decreased insulin resistance. So it may have been the vitamin D, which is, you guys know this, one of my favorite vitamins, vitamin D. Hopefully, naturally, if at all possible, from the sun, but I also supplement with vitamin D3 as well. And it's good for decreasing our insulin resistance, as well as chromium. Chromium is a fascinating mineral. And there are lots of scientific papers and research on chromium and how it improves insulin resistance. I can't, there's so many studies out there. They're so intriguing. It actually got me to supplement with a drink that has chromium in it because it decreases insulin resistance. It decreases insulin resistance and optimizes our blood glucose and makes it so we're not hungry all the time and we're not always looking for that next carb snack or meal or whatever. So chromium is awesome. Selenium is also awesome. Vitamin D, as mentioned, magnesium. These things are crucial. Vitamin C. These are all things that are crucial and often we don't get them in appropriate levels in our diet and it's pretty hard to in a lot of ways because our soils don't have the rich mineral deposits that they once did because of our monocrop agriculture and the way that we plow our fields we're, we're just reusing the same soil which is devoid in a lot of cases of nutrients and even though we get these beautiful you know kale leaves they may not have the magnesium we wish they did have. And so I supplement with a lot of these things because it's hard to get from your diet. You know, there's, there's a guy out there that, that uh, speaks to this, and he says the only way you can get all these minerals is if we do what we call a nose-to-tail, you know, carnivore-type diet where we're eating all of the organs, all of the organ meats. We're eating liver. We're eating spleen. We're eating kidney and all the... All the, you know, brown fats that are on these organs and things, which it's actually kind of hard to do. Now, nowadays, probably easier now that we got the Internet. You know, we can look up uh, places that, that sell these kinds of things, like Belcampo Farms and stuff like that. But uh, it's, it's not easy, man. I mean, I can't just go to the local market and get me some, some liver very easily or kidney or, you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's just hard. And so I, I do supplement, and I, I take several supplements because I want to optimize my health because it's sometimes hard to get everything you need simply from food alone. And if you eat whole, real, natural food, you're going to be much more likely to get close, but there are still some nutrients 
both macro and micronutrients and minerals that it's a little bit hard to get all from the diet. So I, I do supplement, I'll be honest, and um, I, it's been awesome. I, I, I don't regret it one bit. It's the best money I spend every month because I'm healthier. My insulin resistance is much lower. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm living life awake and recharged and, and with the nutrients that I need. And so I, I think that supplementation is part of the puzzle. In addition to the primary, you know, emphases, which I place always first on diet, whole, real, natural foods. And then secondly, on our movement or exercise. I think thirdly, um, we have to pay attention to the potential deficiencies, macro or micronutrient deficiencies and, and supplement as well as avoid uh, toxins because the whole puzzle when played together works well. They complement one another and they work synergistically even better together. You've heard of that saying better together? Well, we are better together with whole natural foods, our diet, with movement, our exercise, and then supplementing and avoiding toxins. We are better together. Together, We will have synergistic benefits. I promise you, you will not regret it. You can be in your best health. You can live optimally, healthfully, and vigorous and full of life by doing these simple, simple things, which all combat that super, super common illness that many of us face called insulin resistance. We need to fight the resistance. We got to fight the resistance, guys. <laughs> we got to fight the resistance. We got to fight the insulin resistance because it's so common probably the most common health condition in the world yet also the most easily fixed because we can fix it oftentimes without medication without medication holy moly our future and our lives is literally in our hands and we can do this guys we can do this together you can do this you are able you are capable you are awesome so let's do it, guys. Live whole, natural, and move. Move, move, move. Six for six, guys, each and every day. Let's pay attention to those macros and, and use the ones that nature designed for us to use primarily. And let's avoid those toxins, and let's just live a, a, a complete life of our our best selves each and every day our minds our bodies our spirits our emotions let's do this let's do this together thank you again guys that's all i have for you today a big aloha from hawaii nay reach out to me modern medicine movement podcast at gmail modernmedicinemovement.com at aloha strip dog at modern medicine movement love to hear from you aloha